Welcome to the Banyan Edge Podcast. Here's your host, Charles Sizemore. Welcome to the Banyan Edge Podcast, America's number one source for smarter, safer, more profitable investing, where we bring you the very best ideas from the best minds in the business, completely filter-free. I am your host, Charles Sizemore. Joining me today is Mr. Adam O'Dell. Adam, it's good to have you on again. Great to be here and great to see you again, Charles. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Now, Adam, I know you're a big sector rotation guy. I, I've, I've followed your work for years. I know that sector rotation is, is a big part of what you've always done. And what I've noticed this year is that we've really almost seen a reversal of the trends of last year. The, last year, it was big, you know, big cap tech blew up and kind of dragged the rest of the market down with it. This year, large cap tech is actually up big, kind of outpacing everything else. I want to say that the NASDAQ, at last glance this morning, was up about 16% year-to-date. S&P 500 was up about half that. But I also know that you like to be ahead. You don't really care what it's doing today. You want to know what it's going to do tomorrow. And I know from our talk offline that one of those opportunities you see is in small caps. So walk me through that. What makes you confident that this trend is likely to shift? Sure. Um, I basically see uh, teeing up right now a once in a decade opportunity in small, high quality, cheaply priced stocks. Uh, but before, and I have a research to back that up, but before we get into that, I just want to kind of mention uh, at a high level what you just talked about was that uh, in 2023 so far, it started off in January and the first half of February with basically what we called the junk stock rally. All of the stocks that had fallen 80, 90% through 2021 and 22. Um, we're rallying, uh, beating the market, but it was all these stocks like you know, just the unprofitable tech companies, all the ones that uh, came the, the uh, meme stocks, meme stocks, SPAC stocks, all of the you know the the junk stocks uh, for lack of a four other four letter word uh, that were just rallying like gangbusters in January and February, and leaving a lot of like conservative investors behind. And then what we saw kind of like on the tail end of that, once that kind of petered out a bit, is that. The return to the thing, the uh, return to the mega cap technology, winner takes all companies, the Microsoft, NVIDIA, Apple, Google, Tesla, those names that really uh, drove the bull market from 2017, 2018 uh, into 2021. And we saw a resumption of the outperformance from those names. I think I did the math and uh, I think it was like about five stocks out of the NASDAQ 100 accounted for 75% of the returns. And it was like 18 stocks out of the 100 accounted for 100% of the returns. And again, it's all these big mega cap stocks. Um, I think it's a head fake, you know, not to spoil the uh, the ending, but I think it's a total head fake. I think that investors who wish they had made more uh, during the tail end of the last bull market and maybe got left behind or got walloped in the, in the bear market are trying to pile back into the same, you know, 10 stocks that, that were doing well during those years. And I think they're going to get. Um, I think they're going to be disappointed when the when the trend turns. They, they missed the boat. They're, they're just desperate to, to try to get back on that trend and kind of catch what they lost before. But uh, the, the trend is likely changing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now I mean, everybody, um, we're we're seeing a recession ahead. I mean, everybody is forecasting a recession ahead. So whether it's a deep recession, if the Fed really fumbles, whether it's a shallow recession or an earnings recession, like in name only. Um, it's still to be seen, and I'm not a forecaster, so I'm not you know trying to weigh in on whether we will or will not get a recession. But my base case is to plan for the recession that is you know more likely than not. Uh, my base case is also to plan for the possibility that the bear market goes lower and longer. Um, I don't necessarily think we've seen the low, 
And that's good news and bad news. It's bad news for people who are holding, you know, stock portfolios in the sense that, that we might have to weather some additional volatility for a while longer if the low isn't quite in yet. But I really see it as a buying opportunity because over the next, you know, three to nine months, if we do see lower lows in the market and we do see a recession, there is going to be a once in a decade buying opportunity, again, in these small, high quality, cheaply priced stocks that are going to be even cheaper. And I really think that I, I want to make sure everybody is aware of this opportunity so they can jump on it. Now, beyond beyond this just this window of time, I know that you've you generally like small cap stocks anyway. That's one of the six factors you track in your, in your stock power rating system. And by the way, I will brag on that a little bit. I remember when you launched the system, right, kind of before the pandemic hit, I uh, I was one of your first users, actually. I, I've, I've used it for years. I think it's a fantastic system. But small uh, small you know, the small size factor is a big part of your research there. Uh, can you walk us through that? Yeah, I mean, very broadly, the uh, the stock rating system, you can type in any ticker symbol and uh, my rating system will give you an overall composite score between zero and 100. Uh, higher scores are better. Um, anything that's 80 or above, we, we label strong bullish. And those stocks have been proven both in history and real time to beat the market by three to one. Uh, but the six factors that we look for, we, we look for well-rounded companies uh, and well-rounded stocks altogether. Um, there are three technical or price-based factors. Those are momentum, size, and volatility. And then we look for three fundamental factors being value, quality, and growth. So overall, again, we're looking for solid companies that are high quality, that are growing faster than the economy, but that are also um, you know, cheaply priced and priced fairly and have good momentum. Um, the size factor is snuck in there. And, and the size factor doesn't always get a lot of um, notoriety as much as value or momentum or growth. Uh, but basically, the research shows for decades, this is one of the first factors that was discovered by Fama and French. And they basically realized that investing in stocks uh, on the smaller cap end rather than on the large cap end, if you invest in smaller companies, you can earn a premium over time. Now, the premium isn't there every single year, but over the long arc of history, buying a portfolio of small cap stocks uh, beats a portfolio of large cap stocks by several percentage points a year. So yeah, that's really. I remember uh, actually having to study that white paper in grad school. I, I remember Bama and French were two kind of pedigreed um, finance professors. Yeah, these were you know, egghead professors that literally wrote the books, right? And they had always believed the market was efficient. Market's efficient. There's no value from um, you know doing stock research because all the information's already priced in. They very reluctantly admitted, yeah, we might have been wrong about that efficiency thing because we have this value factor. <laughs> they called it the value, or they called it the value anomaly. They also referred to the the size anomaly, which you you would call the size factor. But I, I like that that this was the factor that basically broke the academics, made them realize, yeah. Maybe the market's not so efficient after all. Maybe there is a lot of value in looking for smaller companies that are kind of under the radar and whatnot. But Absolutely. okay. So pivoting a little bit here. I loved your piece in, in the Banyan Edge last week. It was uh, profiting from the hedge fund blacklist. I, I, love, I love that. Blacklist makes you think, you know, forbidden fruit. This is something I'm not supposed to be doing, which always makes it seem uh, all, all the more enticing. So walk us through that. What is this blacklist? Why is it that hedge funds are not able to buy certain stocks, but you and I can? 
Well, that's the distinction. It's a blacklist, quote unquote, for hedge funds, pension funds, insurance companies, endowments, all of the very large, quote unquote, institutional investors uh, that manage money for you know retirees and whatnot. And, and it's really this class of stock is off limits to them. And it's not off limits to us, the you know the regular individual retail investor. And that's really, I mean, if you think about it, Wall Street has so many advantages over the little guy, typically. They have more money, they can hire PhDs, they can co-locate their, um, their execution software so they can get better and quicker fills on their orders. So the, the list of advantages that we have over Wall Street is pretty small. But I, I truly believe that this $5 stock anomaly is one of them. And basically, th there's a there's a ruling and, a, and there's regulation and law that goes back to 1930s and it was born out of the sec and basically it allows uh regular investors to invest in any stocks but it, large institutional investors have to jump through a ton of hoops if they want to buy a stock that's priced below five dollars a share and, and i might just get kind of cut in one thing remember the sec was launched in the early 30s as a result of the 1929 stock crash and I have my own theories as to why certain rules got made. I think it kind of boils down to they were new at this. They didn't really know what they were doing. And so they just kind of threw laws up that look good and may not have really made a lot of sense. Exactly. And if you look at the history history of laws, I mean, there are so many laws in the books that don't make any sense at all. Maybe even they never made sense, but they certainly don't make sense in today's era. And I think this is one of them. It just has never been revised, never been rewritten. And so many of the large institutions, they've passed down from one generation to the next their their uh their internal controls their rules a lot of these funds and and institutional investors they'll they'll sell a stock as soon as it dips below five dollars just because they automatically they don't they know they don't want the hassle of dealing with all the extra regulation and headache and paperwork and oversight so they just they basically don't want to touch any stock that's it's under not $5. worth it they have 10 other things to do that day a thousand other things to do that day dealing with extra paperwork to hold that one stock right which may only be one percent of their portfolio or less anyway it's just not they're just not going to mess with it exactly and if you think about it if you if you don't want to have to compete with wall street you have to find an arena a playing ground where wall street doesn't want to be or isn't allowed to be and that's really why i think that we can take advantage of this five dollar stock anomaly um, now, let me be clear. There are a lot of stocks that trade for under $5. My team and I crunched the numbers. It's almost 2,000 in total. Um, and a lot of these are really tiny companies that barely trade and that you really wouldn't want to invest in them uh, at all. And I would not recommend it. So I've actually, with my team, put together a this blacklist uh, list. And we've whittled it down to 300 stocks initially that are large enough to be rated uh, by my stock rating system. Now, they're still small cap stocks mostly, uh, but they can be rated. The other thing with this is that most of the analysts on Wall Street just don't cover these stocks. So you know, regular investors are kind of left on their own to dig through the paperwork and figure out if it's a good or bad stock. Frankly, there are a lot of stocks that are priced below $5 for a reason. Um, they're not good quality companies and uh, they're cheap for a reason, basically. But my, Maybe they used to be a $50 stock and now they're five. <laughs> exactly. And, that, and that's not the type that we want to buy. We want to buy the high quality stocks that are small, too small for Wall Street to care about that throughout this bear market have gotten um, you know, traded down to very cheap valuations. And the thing that we know is that once these stocks rise back above $5, they automatically appear back on Wall Street's 
watch lists and they're wall street's free to buy them the institutions can jump right in and that often creates a big flood of money back into the stock it creates momentum the momentum feeds on itself so this is really a way to potentially when you find the right stocks make you know very high returns and beat the market over a short period of time well this is where it gets interesting because i think to a lot of to, to a lot of viewers the concept of a low value stock may be uh, kind of hard to distinguish from a low price stock. I, I, there's really two different things going on here, but they, they intersect. When you talk about a, a, a stock being cheap as a value stock, you're meaning relative to its earnings, relative to its sales, relative to its dividend, relative to, to some metric. A stock can be you know, priced at $1,000 a share and still be cheap because it, it, it's you know, compared to its earnings, et cetera, it, it's priced cheaply. A low price stock is, well, actually, let me back up for a second. Then you also have smaller companies. You know, a, a small cap stock is also not necessarily a small priced stock. It's just a stock that is valued at less than, than $2 billion, generally, is the, uh, the definition there. So you're talking about companies that tend to be smaller, kind of under the radar. Now, this price factor, this $5 price limitation, that's another layer here on top of these others. And interestingly, it kind of intersects with both. Because if a stock is trading at less than $5 a share, oftentimes it's also a small cap trading for a couple hundred million or even less in, in total market cap. Um, it may also be a value stock because it may have previously been worth more than five bucks and for whatever reason it's been pushed down. So I think this is interesting, this 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 you know filter you're, you're putting in, this $5 filter, for one, it, it does tend to kind of overlap with your value and your size factors, which is good. Those are two of your six factors that have been proven to work. When a stock potentially goes over five bucks when we're buying it under, and then it starts to, to get you know, over that, that that threshold, that's when Wall Street can jump in, but then your momentum factor can also kick in. So this one $5 filter here essentially overlaps with three out of your six metrics in your in your stock rating system. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm looking for a convergence. I'm not looking for one factor. I'm not looking for one thing. I'm looking for a convergence of factors. You mentioned kind of three of them. The other, the fourth one is quality. Again, a lot of um, small companies are high risk. A lot of companies that are priced below $5 a share uh, are that cheap for a reason. And a lot of them aren't necessarily even cheap on valuation levels. So you have to find um, a high quality company that is trading cheaply on valuation, that is also below $5 a share, meaning the analysts and the big institutions are, are completely overlooking it. And then you're right, once you buy that and if you see a bit of a turnaround, then you can get the momentum to kick in uh, above $5. But but you're exactly right. I mean, the, the valuation, it's interesting in stocks. I mean, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but it's, you know, st stock market investing is one of the few areas when the price goes down, fewer people want to buy it. And when the price goes up, more people want to buy it. But if you think about, uh, value is really just thinking about it like if you're going to buy a house and you look at the the price per square foot of the house and you use that maybe there's two houses on the exact same street but they are built by the same builder around the same time and they have uh different uh square footages so you look at the price per square foot well when you buy a stock you basically are buying access to one dollar's worth of earnings the company is going to generate earnings and for you to have access to one dollar of those earnings um, then you have to figure out, well, what price am I paying for access to $1 of earnings? Am I paying $5? And that'd be a PDE ratio of five, five to one. 
uh, or am I paying a PE of $50? Am I paying $50 for that one earn dollar of earnings? And so it's the same thing when you look to buying a house. I mean, if the houses are identical, but one is priced at $300 a square foot and one's priced at uh, $150, obviously you want to buy the one that has the lower valuation. So um, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for value, quality, and size. And then really the $5 rule is just icing on the cake because it's a, it's a stupid rule. I mean, there's really <laughs> no reason. We were talking about this before. There's really no reason it couldn't have been $6 or $10. Why not six? Why not four? Why not $2 and 50 cents? Exactly. exactly. I mean, the SEC <laughs> picked a random number and they didn't update the number for like a hundred years almost. So really, I mean, that this is our uh, window of, uh, to, to take advantage of that uh, anomaly and, and to really get a leg up on Wall Street. I like that. And by the way, I'm completely I'm I am plagiarizing your uh, your analogy there of price per square foot on a house. Whenever I try to uh, explain value investing to others, I, it's hard to get past that. What's the difference between price and value? I'm complete. I, I'm going to plagiarize that uh, that that analogy you gave. Just 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 yeah. so you know, <laughs> it may be in small print. All right. Uh, Fair you know, enough. You can, you can cite me. In, you can cite me in small print. Fair enough. <laughs> Well, very good. Well, Adam, uh, th th this is interesting. So, you know, again, to kind of sum this up here, we th there's an anomaly. There is this $5 rule set by the SEC almost 100 years ago that limits institutional investors' ability to buy stocks priced under five bucks. That creates opportunities for the rest of us because we have no such restrictions. We uh, There's nothing to stop us from, from dabbling here. And that's that gives us a big one up over Wall Street. We're able to go where they can't. That's a really nice, um, a really nice advantage. Um, it, it's one that, um, at least for the foreseeable future, should persist unless the SEC decides to update its rule book after 100 years, which I'm not holding my breath. So <laughs> if they haven't done it now, I doubt they're going to do it. So probably not. Yeah. And now's the right time, really, because as I mentioned earlier, we're heading probably into a recession. We are in a bear market. Uh, I've done the research. The The smaller cap stocks outperform large caps uh, basically by two to one, even if you just buy at the index level, coming out of recessions and bear markets. They've done that for the last nine out of nine recessions. Small caps have beat the uh, large cap stocks. And if you look at 09, uh, basically the 2008 great financial crisis, of all the factors that are built into my model, size, value, quality, growth, volatility, um, basically the size factor was the number one factor from 09 to uh, 2010, that, that two year that period. Was one. That, that, that even trumps value and, and momentum and everything else. Wow. Well, size was number one and value was number two. So the, <laughs> they kind of go hand in hand, finding small companies that are cheaply priced coming out of recession. That is the way to trounce the market. Yeah, it, it's 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 interesting because you know you, that 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 begs the question: Why is it because these these smaller companies are a bit more nimble? Are they kind of are they closer to the ground? They kind of have their their finger on the pulse of of of, of you know their, their market. Why do you think that is? Yeah, on the on the risk side of it, you know, smaller companies can be riskier, and it's a case by case basis. You know, a lot of them don't have as diversified of a product line as a large company. They maybe don't have access to the same amount of capital at good rates as larger companies. The volatility of their earnings may be greater. The volatility of their cash flows. So that's really why just going out and buying any small cap company is not necessarily the way to go. You have to have some type of system to find the right small cap companies. But that, that's the risk-based explanation. The other explanation is just that, 
as you said, these smaller companies are more nimble. If there's a sea change in the economy and in the sectors that are doing well, um, small companies can adapt much more quickly than large companies. So that's really, you see the ones, you see a lot of companies, small and large, go out of business during a recession and a bear market. But the ones that um, survive, the smaller ones are the nimble ones that know how to adapt and really um, you know, take advantage of the new environment rather than get left behind. So that's uh, really why we see the small caps do so well coming out of uh, bear markets and recessions. No, makes sense. So that this is encouraging. It shows that even if we do have this continued bear market, even if we do have a recession, there should be some really nice opportunities coming out of it. You've already done the homework for our viewers here. You've compiled the list. These are stocks that rate well on your stock rating system anyway. We've added this extra filter for that, that $5 filter, and we've created a really, well, we, I'm taking credit, you have created this, <laughs> you've, you've created this really nice list here. Where, where, where can viewers find out more? Where, where can we send them? Yeah, good point. We've probably spilled spilled the beans, uh, but basically I'm holding a special presentation on this uh, $5 stock anomaly, and the presentation is April 27th at 1 p.m., but we're doing um, kind of welcoming people uh, as a lead up to that event, and I'm going to be sending out a couple of videos as well as a couple of stock watch lists, this blacklist, in which uh, we start with about 300 stocks and then over the course of a week and a half or so, uh, I'm going to be whittling down that list of stocks to under 40. And then uh, during my presentation on April 27th, I'm going to be revealing the names and ticker symbols of my top stocks, a very small handful of stocks that are priced below $5 a share, uh, that are trading cheaply, that are small companies, that are high quality. And uh, that's all going to be revealed on April 27th at 1 p.m. But yeah, we're, we need to include a link um, in the either in the email or this video. I'm not sure, uh, but people can kind of join in on the journey as we uh, head into that presentation and follow along with my watch list. Very good, very good. I will be there myself. Uh, this is this is an interesting concept. It's one I like. I'm always looking for that next thing coming out of a bear market, and this is it. So, Adam. Thanks for joining and uh, best of luck on this project. I, I don't think you'll need it though, because it looks like it's it, it looks like it's already working for you. Mm -hmm. Thanks. I appreciate that, Charles, and good talking to you today. Right. Have a good one. Thanks again for tuning in to the Banyan Edge podcast. And I do recommend you give Adam's research a look. He's done an excellent job putting this together. And we will see you again next week on the Banyan Edge podcast. <laughs>